Welcome to the Fathom Academy podcast, a podcast designed for the people of Fathom Church to be resourced to go deeper with God. I'm Kyle. I'm the youth and digital minister here at Fathom. Thank you again for listening wherever you are. Um, so we've done a, a series called Meet the Staff a little while ago, uh, where we sat down with Fathom staff to to get to know them a little bit better. Uh, a little bit ago, we did Meet the Elders, uh, where we did the same thing uh, with the elders of Fathom and dove deeper into who they are. Um, so now we're going to do an episode that's called, obviously you know what it's called because you've clicked on it, but <laughs> it's Meet the Pastor's Wife. And since there's only one pastor here at Fathom, uh, you all know who we're talking about. So uh, joined with us today is Marcy Martin. Welcome, hey. Marcy. Hey. How are you doing? Great. Great. Good. Good. This is uh, Pastor Chris's wife. Uh, we are glad you are here with us today. Um, for those of you that that have been at Fathom for quite a while, uh, we did one of these Meet the Pastor's Wife uh, before with Marcy as we sat down to hear her story, but that was a long, long time ago. It was a long time ago, yes. That was before I was even here. Which really wasn't that <laughs> all long ago. six months of it. Man. Oh, Chris is here as well. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Welcome. Thanks for the introduction. Chris, yes. Um, welcome, Pastor. Demerits, Chris. demerits to you, our oh, digital minister. Demerits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, I'm the host here. So, yes, you are. Yes. Uh, thank you. So, we have um, Pastor Chris here and um, his lovely wife, Marcy. So, um, we're just going to, we're going to hear a lot about you and your story for those um, who, don't know you that well. Uh, maybe you have joined Fathom just recently um, and want to get to know uh, the pastor's wife and the the better half of the Martins. That's right. The less hairy. The less hairy but... half. The, yeah. Do you want, do you... yeah, better in all in all ways. Does this need to be marriage counseling? <laughs> no, I'm I am not qualified. No, I I completely <laughs> I completely agree with you. And everybody who's who who knows me knows yes. that that's absolutely true. And even if you don't know me, you just listen to me on Sunday, you know. Yeah, he's not that great. There's a better <laughs> half. So <laughs> yes, we we agree. So um so Marcy, uh, just if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, where um where you're from, where you grew up, your, your background a little bit, and then we'll get into some other stuff, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, uh, I was born and raised right here in Littleton. So I'm a Littleton girl, uh, which is kind of fun. My parents were both raised here in Littleton. I think one of their first dates was actually on main street. Wow. So, um, yeah, which is kind of cool, uh, actually to kind of be raised where your parents mm -hmm. were raised and uh, see how the city's changed. But yeah, I was, uh, born and raised on the West side of Littleton and, um, kind of just grew up in what I guess I'd consider a blue collar middle class. Uh, my dad worked for the family business, uh, which was selling construction, commercial construction materials. And, uh, my mom had a background in nursing, but chose to stay home and raise us kids. And, um, you know, we had, we had hard stuff in our family, but there was also great stuff um, in our family. And um, from a very young age, I remember going to church. Uh, I didn't come on the scene till later. My brothers were kind of spread out a little bit. My oldest brother were nine years apart and my middle brother were six years apart. So I didn't come on the scene till later um, after my family had started going to church, but uh, our family was a real, real wreck <laughs> before uh, 
some neighbors invited them to go to church. And, um, you know, I always say the church is what kind of saved our family, the church and, and God obviously saved our family and kind of projected a different path um, for what our family would look like. So uh, we were very involved in our local church in Littleton, and it was like a second family, and I loved going to church and kind of, you know, grew up doing things at church and doing sports, and so I feel like I had a pretty average, typical childhood, nothing too crazy, but there was hard stuff in our family with, you know, addictions and, you know, there was all sorts of stuff, but mm-hmm. but uh, got to witness how God worked and redeemed and there was redemption with my family. So which was good. So awesome. Awesome. Um tell us a little bit about the story about how you became a Christian. Yeah. So kind of growing up in the church, I mean the pastor came to visit me in the hospital when I was born. So uh I was very familiar with, you know, the story of Jesus and dying on the cross for our sins and and stuff like that. And um, you know, sometimes when you grow up in the church, you hear it over and over and over and it's, eh, okay, whatever <laughs> kind of a thing. But, um, yeah, it, it was in Sunday school. I was 10 years old. It just kind of hit me differently one day that it was like, wow, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, for my sins. And I had wanted to get baptized. And so I came home and I went up to my room and I prayed to receive Christ and I came down and I told my mom and, and then I ended up getting baptized. And so, uh, it was kind of, you know, a journey, uh, up and down following Christ, you know, in the teenage years and off at college and, and then into adulthood. Um, but yeah, I feel like there were really great seasons, um, in my younger years of really understanding and following Christ and, yeah, that was really impactful. Different youth leaders and just, uh, you know, like I said, the the church was a family to us. And so there were many people that were impactful in my life. Where did you go to college? So, study? yeah, my uh, first year of college, I went down to Metro. I uh, didn't have the best of grades to actually go away. So I ended up going to Metro and lived at home my, my first year, which was fine. Uh, that was actually a, a good season in my life where I was alone and God was there, <laughs> you know, took me deeper, uh, being alone and not having, you know, that college experience my first year. Um, and then I actually ended up transferring in to Colorado Christian University. Go Cougs! Go Cougars! <laughs> Go Cougars! <laughs> wow. I know you went to a small little podunk school called the University I, of Colorado. First but of all, I we wish went you all to, could have seen the oh, we went, Cougar Claw. Cougar Claw yeah, we that went just to, happened. We went to CCU, also known as the Harvard of the West. So, uh, Harvard of the West. Oh, geez. By okay. only you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. Uh, True. Okay. Go Cougs. Yep. Go Cougs. Uh, <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> so yeah, I transferred in as a sophomore to Colorado Christian University um, for their teaching program. I knew I wanted to do elementary. Go teachers. Go teachers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Okay. <laughs> no Cougs on that no one. Cougs on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, tell us a little bit briefly about how you met this guy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Where do we start? <laughs> when your life took a turn 
for the best. For the best. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like I said, I had transferred in to CCU. Uh, so I was the new transfer girl. Uh, which the is new girl. the new girl, which being a small school, you kind of stick out, uh, when you weren't in freshman housing. Um, and so we actually met, it was midnight volleyball, wasn't it? We met there. Yes. You don't even remember. No, we met there at the midnight volleyball and we got talking because you were Ryan's roommate, which Ryan was my childhood friend from church. That's how we met was through Ryan. Ryan was Chris's roommate. But we met at Moonlight Volleyball that like first week, and we found out that you knew my cousin Casey because you were his young life leader. That's right. Because I have a huge family on my mom's side, and so everybody knows one of my family members that I meet in life. And so that's how we met each other. And my aunt actually was trying to set Chris up with my other cousin. I was deep in the family even before I met Marcy. So yeah, we met at CCU. I mean, her, her childhood friend was my roommate and he introduced us and, um, yeah, we had a long, we were friends. We were friends. friends. We were friends. You liked me though. That's right. I was not into you. I was going to say first impressions of Chris. Well, what were those? He had really bad hair. (laughs) That's untrue. Bad hair, but he was funny. He was witty. Not gray, not gray hair. Not, not as much. Yeah, yeah a little. He was starting to become the silver fox. <laughs> not as funny. No, he was funny. Oh. You were witty. That's that's what I like yeah. about you. You were witty and yeah. And you seemed really fun. All things true. All and things those, true. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. So we were good good buds. I was dating somebody else. Didn't really you know, just well, my my friend Chris. But Chris was worming his way into my life to <laughs> I'm, you know i'm like chinese water torture it just wears you down you know, you're either gonna crack or your skull's gonna collapse so you know just dripping and dripping and dripping until uh, i get my way so yeah leave it to the pastor to have those illustrations <laughs> you're just pulling them out right on a whim <laughs> yeah so i had broken up with the guy i was dating and then chris kind of swooped in to like oh let me counsel right. you through your heartbreak and we just kept hanging out more. And was it three times? It sounds like I manipulated you into a relationship, which <laughs> no, I did not. No. You asked three different times if we could go on a date, and I shot him down all three times. Okay. And then mm. he last time, I think you were like, that's it. If she doesn't want to go out on a date, I'm going to just leave it as it is. And he finally wore me down. I thought, oh, I kind of maybe like this guy. So we went out on a date, and then... The rest is history. We went to the macaroni grill. Classy. May she rest in peace. <laughs> so, yeah, and the rest is history. Yeah. We dated a couple years, got married, started on the journey. What year did you get married? 2007. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where did you get married? <laughs> In the sweet, sweet town of Arvada, Colorado. Oh. <laughs> You were there, bro. I actually bro. was you asking that question because yes. I'm like, I think I was there. Kyle, you, you were there. there. I, you were, were you a sure student? Were you a student? Or? 2007. You were second year of college? Yeah. You were, you were yeah. the intern. In between. It was, your, yeah. it was summer mm-hmm. before your second year of college. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Okay. Um, Marcy, tell us a little bit about your family now. Um, 
your awesome little girl. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 2015, we had Miss Harper Ruth came on the scene. So she's five. She's really fun and has a great sense of humor. And she's a good mix of us both, I think. She's a lot like her mama, though. Mm-hmm. So she's great. Love being a mama. We're doing homeschool, and I'm really loving that with her and just watching her grow. And it's just, just fun. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I know you have um, a lot to your story um, that you, you've told in your past, some some medical things mm-hmm. um, that that is part of who you are. And so... Um, we'd love to hear about that, hear about how um, how God has used that in your life. Um, so you can you can start. I know you have notes. You can start well, whatever. I'm, I'm a very like. organized, prepared person. <laughs> like after I did the Enneagram and I found out I was a six, I was like, this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Always prepared. So I have mm-hmm. notes, but I may not use them. We'll see. <laughs> Fly by the sea of our pants. But yeah. That's what we do here. Yeah. I feel like uh, my story and along with. Chris, you know, it's been, our story's been full of a lot of suffering. I feel like for a young, young couple, we're fairly young, we're starting to get old now, but um, we've endured a lot of suffering and um, it's been hard in, at times, but it's also been really beautiful to see how God has worked and um, how we've been able to rely and trust on him and um, so yeah, pretty much, let's see here, 2008, um, we were kind of just fresh into marriage, just young newlyweds trying to navigate life. But yeah, just one day I just didn't feel good. I had a, a wave of dizziness that went through my head, um, and stayed, um, and we just thought, well, maybe I have the flu or something. And so you know, just rested and laid on the couch for a few weeks. And then it was like, okay, this isn't going away. I'm still dizzy. I feel sick. I have headaches. Like, what is going on? So we uh, started the journey of uh, meeting with some doctors to kind of think, oh, maybe it's just a virus or a weird bacterial infection. Um, So we, you know, met with primary care and then they sent us off. Well, let's just kind of pick up a body system and exhaust that. And so, uh, they did, (laughs) they started, you know, and just system after system, just more tests and MRIs and blood work and crazy scans and all the results would come back of, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what's wrong with you. Um, so we would just continue more testing and, uh, meet with different doctors and there were, several doctors that thought this lady's crazy. They ordered a psych exam for me a few times thinking I was making this up. And, um, but we all, I'm a little crazy, but not too crazy. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we just continued the journey and still trying to live life while I was, uh, bedridden, basically. Um, I would try to live life, but I spent a lot of time on our couch and in bed and, um, yeah, there's a few years there. I don't really actually remember much, and I don't know if that's uh, a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing. I mean, Chris can probably speak into it more of how housebound I was, um, which, 
yeah, he'd go to work and I'd be on the couch. Couldn't cook, couldn't clean. It was pretty debilitating. Um, and then I got a little bit better. Um, they found I had like a bacterial thing in my gut. And so I was losing weight rapidly. And so they found the bacterial thing, which was good, uh, and treated me for that. And I started to get a little bit better, but still struggled with the dizziness and headaches. And uh, fast forward, <laughs> we thought, well, you know what? We want kids. Let's just, there's plenty of people who have chronic illnesses that still can carry kids and maybe pregnancy will fix it. And so uh, we had gotten pregnant in uh 2013 and miscarried and then um which was a really hard hard thing to walk through um and then in 2015 we got pregnant with Harper which was wonderful and sweet and I I, you know I did my best to manage and and raise Harper and you know try to take care of her but had to rely a lot on on Chris and my mom and um which isn't a bad thing necessarily you know not having to feel like you have to do it all. Um, and then it was a couple years after Harper, I really took a turn for the worse. We went out for a Acts 29 pastor and wives conference in California. And the plane ride out there about six hours later, I, I couldn't walk. I was so dizzy. Uh, I couldn't even be upright. And so we ended up having to drive home to get me home. And then it was another few years of my flat, flat on my back, not do anything. And uh, actually, a, a gal here at the church said, you know, said to my mom one Sunday, you know, has Marcy ever been checked for a, like a spinal leak, leaking spinal fluid? And my mom's like, no. And she said, well, sure sounds like she has the symptoms. And this gal who mentioned it to my mom happened to have a spinal leak in her back. And so she got me connected with a Facebook group, actually, which, uh, you know, has it plus minuses, those groups. But uh, that that group actually mentioned a doctor here in Denver who helps diagnose because we were looking at the Mayo Clinic, you know, doctors all over in California to get me the testing done. And the doctor was here. And so we finally got an appointment with him. And he had a list of 10 things that he thought maybe I, I had. But the first he thought I had a cranial spinal leak. So he thought I was leaking spinal fluid somewhere in my head. And so he ordered the test and we were down at St. Luke's Presbyterian Hospital for a couple days getting the testing done, which was pretty brutal. Um, I had endured a lot, lot of testing and uh, this was by far the worst torturous, torturous, that's not even a word, torture <laughs> I had been through ever uh, in my life. But it, it did reveal that uh, I did indeed have a cranial spinal, spinal leak uh, in my ephthmoid roof. So for you non-medical people, I was leaking spinal fluid from my sinuses that's up in between your nose, in between your eyes, deep in my, my head. And so uh, two weeks later, I was having a five-hour surgery to, it was like brain slash sinus surgery to correct this. And um, I am better. I'm not fully 
better. They're still, I'm still working with this doctor uh, right now. They're going to order some more testing to see if I have something going on with my jugular vein and blood flow to my brain. Uh, so they're doing some more testing, but um, I, am, I am better. Uh, but still, it's there's days it's hard to function and do the things that I once did. But um, yeah, so I don't know. You can speak into my health stuff a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's just been an under, like an undercurrent for most of our marriage mm -hmm. of um, highs and lows, seasons where things seem to be getting better, seasons where things seem to be getting worse, these seasons where um, hope felt like it was dashed and then seasons mm -hmm. where it was like, okay, like maybe this is, we can do this. Like, mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's, you know, the, the, the story of ongoing suffering is difficult because uh, there's stigmas attached to it. There's, like you mentioned, there's um, people begin to say you have mental health issues. People begin to say, um, oh, you're just making it up. Oh, you're a hypochondriac. Oh, you, you, you know, it's not, can't really be that bad because you're able to do this, but you know, and, and so it's just been this undercurrent for mm -hmm. a marriage where, mm -hmm. um, where we've had to learn that we don't get to do everything that we would want to do or to do everything we would want to do in the way that we would want to do it. Mm -hmm. And yet I think there's been, um, a lot that God has revealed in us and to us and mm -hmm. used, um, for his glory ultimately by, um, by growing us mm -hmm. and then allowing us to use that in ministry in mm -hmm. other, other ways. So, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, it's a, it's a big part of our story. We try not to talk about it all the time because it feels like it can be, you know, it can be one of those things where it's like, oh, how's Marcy? Oh, how's Marcy? Oh, how's, you know, it, it can well, almost you do. become, you get tired. How's your health? How's your yeah. health? It can become oh. the overwhelming mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. um, because it's not who we are. It's just a part mm -hmm. of our story. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't define us, but it does, it does, you know, definitely put us in, in a path on a path that uh, is a little different than uh, if, if you were just, you know, hundred percent all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so what are, what are the things that you've learned through all of this? What has God been? Yeah. What has he taught you and what is he like continuing to teach you through all this? Yep. So, I mean, I could have a list of probably 20 things. Um, but as I was driving here, I was like, okay, I'm only going to give like three, <laughs> three things that suffering. You wrote those notes while you were driving? Well, no, I was uh, stopped. That's, yeah. <laughs> Ma'am, seriously. Yeah. Brain injury. Brain injury. <laughs> okay. Sheesh, no. So uh, I only listed three three things, and you may have other things, Chris Martin. Oh, you, yeah, I'll ask yeah, him what he's learned. Too. Ours may be different, oh, yeah. but uh, I guess uh, one of the, the first things uh, that suffering has, has taught me was uh, that my identity and trust were not in God. Um, I was so fixated on becoming the person that like I was that healthy, strong person, healthy, I put in quotes, um, that healthy, strong person that I was before. Um, you know, that I, I was so fixated on that. I don't think I realized, uh, what I had been trusting in because it wasn't God. You know, I feel like suffering laid out all my my idols. And I didn't realize that. 
And I don't think I would have realized that if I would have not gone through this season of suffering. Um, number two, suffering has taught me contentment. Um, and I'm still learning this, this daily. <laughs> I have to like retrain my mind and my heart, I think daily to remind myself of the gospel and who God is and that he loves me and his plan for me. Um, cause I can real quick go down a spiral of why are you doing this? God, what are you doing? This is just terrible. How can I live life? And, um, I just don't want to be that bitter, angry person. Um, so I, I had a quote from a book that I read several years back from a missionary who lived in uh, Uganda. And I loved what she said about just contentment and joy. And I'll read it to you here. It says, when we cannot find joy in our circumstances, we can find joy in God who is unchanged and unchanging. We can rejoice not in what is going on around or within us, but because God is our strength and he will continue to be. And I just love that, that it's like focus on that God is our strength and he will be there. And um, I say to Harper all the time and I say it to myself too when, you know, she has a bad dream or she's upset about something. And I always say, God is here, God is near, and he loves you. And so um, that's impactful for me too when I'm in an adult, you know. <laughs> so, um, but just finding that contentment and joy. And like I said, every day I'm like, retraining my heart and my mind um you know in the shower when I'm scrubbing my hair that's my time where I'm just listing off things that I'm thankful for because that's my only time it's quiet and I'm alone puppy dog pals isn't playing in the background so that's that's my time where I can kind of refocus my mind and my heart so and then um one of one of the big things is um that suffering has taught me is don't suffer alone. I feel like for so many years, I kind of just tried to muscle through, you know, we can do this, be strong. And uh, I realized that was kind of like a disservice to the people around me and to the church. Um, and I feel like we, we struggle with this as a culture and as a church, not just fathom, but church on the whole, you know, um, that God never intended that we we suffer alone. Um, I love that Paul David Tripp, he's one of my favorite writers. He wrote a book about um, suffering, and I highly recommend it. If you are suffering or someone you know is suffering, um, he puts into words <laughs> everything that I've kind of felt and experienced but couldn't do so because I'm not a writer and I'm not very eloquent with speaking. But um, I love that he talks about how uh, suffering is um, a community project that you need to, you need to suffer together and we need to walk along each other in the storms of life and we need to encourage one another and um, remind each other of the truth and of God's faithfulness because sometimes when you're in it, you just, you can't see it and you need others. And also just prayer, um, you know, going back to the sermon on Sunday, just that deep soul pain of Hannah and her prayer and I just felt like I could resonate with that so much because there have been seasons where I have just that deep soul pain that I've experienced and 
God has met me there. He has. I still remember a time on my couch looking up at my windows flat on my back that I just, I literally was crying out loud, praying out loud. And I had so much comfort from him in that moment. And just, I'm there. I have you. I've got this. So I think, you know, we definitely need to be praying uh, for one another during seasons of of suffering and, and grief because, you know, I do. I think suffering is, there's some spiritual warfare to that for sure, um, you know, where the, you know, Satan wants to discourage us and uh, wants us to be in despair. And so we need people praying on our behalf. I mean, there were seasons I could not pray for myself. But I knew, you know, my husband was praying for me. My family was praying for me. This church was praying for me. I had inmates in jail praying for me. Um, so we need to, as a, as a community, we need to, to suffer well and, and walk alongside each other. Um, so I don't know. Do you have anything? Yours, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Chris. What did you learn through all this? Yeah, I mean, goodness, plenty, and some of the same things. Um, I, 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 uh, in do, when I do premarital counseling, I always um, tell couples that marriage is never a fifty-fifty. It's never a, it's never a. Hey, I'm going to give you fifty, you give me fifty, and we're going to equal it out, and it's all fair. You know, um, it's never this this uh, truly equitable. Uh, you know, relationship. Uh, there are seasons where you're going to give more and take and take uh, less. And there are seasons when you're going to have to take more and give less. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the, the first things that the Lord taught me about uh, in our first, goodness, five, six years mm -hmm. of this was really about how to, um, about selfishness and about how to serve without um, reciprocation. So how do I serve somebody who I know cannot serve me back um, in the ways that I would selfishly want to be served back? So, so I think there was seasons where I was just giving a lot and, and um, man, it felt like the Lord needed to break me of some real self-centered um, selfishness. I mean, I don't know how, how better to put it, but, but uh, there were, yeah, that, that was, that was a big thing. <clears throat> And then you have a kid and, and all, you realize you're even deeper in your selfishness <laughs> than you, than you were. But, um, so I think that was a big thing that I learned, um, or am still learning. Uh, uh, and then, you know, two years ago, my, my whole meltdown, my whole, uh, burnout in the church and ministry and life, uh, there was a moment where I couldn't give and you had to reciprocate. So it does come full circle, but there's never, it's never like, oh man, we're just like, everybody's needs are being met perfect. It's like this mm -hmm. seesaw that just goes back and forth and. Sometimes you're weighing it down more and then sometimes you're, you're lifting the other person up more. So, um, so that was big. Um, I think to talk about your community thing, to learn how to suffer passive, suffer passively, uh, was interesting, uh, because there is, there is an active suffering that one experiences individually, but then there's also a passive suffering, uh, that I think sometimes can get overlooked a little bit in church, um, because, um, we like to care for the people who are actively suffering, but the people who suffer mm -hmm. secondhand, it's like secondhand smoke, right? It's like, I'm, I'm still kind of getting the effects of this, mm -hmm. this experience. Um, but 
but maybe it's not, you know, it's not really focused on as much. So learning to suffer secondhand, uh, what was, was a, was a part of this. Um, but then, you know, all of these things have taught me like uh, they've reinforced my theology. Like they've mm -hmm. reinforced doctrine in my heart to say, um, God is good and life is hard. And those two things, they, though they seem to be juxtaposed, they actually are not. They actually, you know, hold hands. They share a bed. They, you know, like life is hard. Yeah. I think we can all like, this is fallen. This is broken. Your body should not, not function like this. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and God is good. He is good. He wants your very best. He wants my very best. He wants all of our, he, he wants to bless us and to grow us and to deepen us. Um, and those two things don't counteract each other. Mm -hmm. It's not, if life is good, then God is good. Mm -hmm. And it's not, if life is bad, then God is bad, but it's life is hard. Life can be bad at times. It feels very bad and God is good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think I can proclaim that with my heart and believe it, like mm -hmm. actually genuinely believe that deeply. Good. That's some, some good stuff for both of you. Thank you. Um, Last. I wrote those things while I was driving, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, sticky notes all over my windshield. Oh boy! I do love sticky notes. Yeah. You guys are gonna have to go home and fight this out later. Um, any last things from either of you? Um, let's think here. I don't know. We got anything? Yeah, I think we just we 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 felt really clear uh, two years ago that God was still calling us here to this church that, you know, we planted Fathom almost six years ago. I mean, six years in, in three weeks, February, we celebrate six yep. years. Mm -hmm. So, um, we planted the church almost six years ago. Um, and then, you know, 18, 24 months ago, we, mm -hmm. we kind of had to reassess for us, like, is this what God has for us? And I would say, um, and I don't know how many people know this side of it, but, um, we were, we almost didn't come back to Fathom. Um, and it was actually, I think God revealing to Marcy through the spirit that this was something that we needed to, to, uh, step back into. I think I had found an, a comfort to say, okay, God, if you take it from me, that's fine. If you, uh, if you want me to go back, that's fine. And, uh, and I didn't put the ball totally in her court, but, uh, Marcy, Marcy was pretty, and she doesn't, she does not do the God's telling me sort of thing very often. Um, but she said, I think God's telling me we need to go back. And so I told you, you're not done there yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we're thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for her, for her discernment, for her wisdom in that. But then also, I think we are, we, we, we really believe in this place. We really believe in this church. We really believe in the mission. We love the people. We believe this is like, I, I, I think this is our thing, you know? So for as long as the Lord has us, which man, I never planned, no. I never planned on being married to a pastor. Mm -hmm. That was not. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not easy, but l life isn't easy, right? Like, mm. I mean, if I was an investment banker, it'd be a different set of hard, right? Yeah. But it's been, it's been great being a pastor's wife and, yeah. you know, getting to see things up close that some people never get to see yeah. God moving and doing things and being able to witness that. And yeah. yeah. So we love this place. I think we love this, these people and, um, and, look forward to spending as many years as the Lord has for us here mm -hmm. doing this stuff. 
Well, the church loves you guys. Um, thank you for leading us well. Marcy, thank you for leading our church well. Um, and thank you for being here today and sharing your story. I'm yeah. sure we could probably double the amount of time that we're talking about this now very easily. Um, but thank you so much, Marcy. We really appreciate you being here. Um, that is it for us today, church. Uh, we love you. We hope to see you um, here on Sunday as we continue our, our first Samuel series. Uh, register online to be here at 9 or 11. Um, but yeah, we love you, church, and we'll catch you next time. Let's get out of here, babe. <laughs> <laughs>